The coronavirus pandemic has ushered in the golden age of telemedicine. Many health systems have seemed to rapidly introduce virtual health solutions, sometimes in a matter of weeks. With the loosening of regulatory restrictions, the expansion of reimbursements, and even the expansion of multi-state licensures, the well-established technologies of telehealth and telemedicine are now seen as a critical part of the future of healthcare delivery. What used to be met with caution by health systems are now being implemented at a breakneck pace. But it does make one ask, is the healthcare system truly taking advantage of the promise that telemedicine and remote patient monitoring provides? And how will virtual health solutions shape the patient engagement strategies of the future? Welcome to The New Normal, conversations about the future of healthcare from Touchpoint Media. Through interviews with leading industry experts, this program explores how the current public health crisis is forcing our industry to transform and change. In this episode, I speak with Anne Stajahar, a consultant who works with organizations implementing effective growth strategies with virtual care, including RPM, digital therapeutics, and telemedicine. Her experience with CRM and population health consumer data and physician change management gives her a unique perspective on how organizations can pursue digital growth strategies and innovation through the adoption of virtual health solutions. Anne has also consulted on multiple projects with United Health Group and OptumCare, including the development of virtual care access and scaling patient journeys to support clinical support services. In this episode, Anne and I discuss the potential future of telemedicine and remote patient monitoring in helping deliver care in a post-COVID-19 world. And first of all, we should probably set the table and talk about telemedicine, remote patient monitoring, virtual care. There's like a whole bunch of these different telesolutions that are being implemented in hospitals and health systems, but they're a little bit different, aren't they? For sure. The telehealth definition in general has had a very large umbrella of things that have fallen under it. You know, whether it is virtual visits now with remote patient monitoring, it has to do with wearables and ongoing monitoring of patients. There's been chatbots and secure email messages and a dialogue that can go back and forth between you and your provider. Where we're at right now, when people think telehealth, they seem to think of this immediate virtual visit with the doctor. And the reality is, is that so much more is encompassed with this and needs to fall under telehealth. But this technology has been around for a number of years. It only feels like right now, because it was used primarily and pervasively in responding to the initial ways that patients can interact with their health systems, with their doctors, et cetera, suddenly it feels like we're now in the golden age of telemedicine. But this stuff has been around for a while, hasn't it? It has been over a decade, legitimately. But you know, we've made more progress in the last month than we have probably in the last 10 years with this adoption, just because of the circumstances that we're now in. You saw CMS more recently in the past couple of years really begin to focus on some remote patient monitoring studies and the reality of staying on top of patients and having more frequent physiologic readings and interactions with patients help improve outcomes. And you've seen those studies play out with also the ability to have the reimbursement and ultimately the necessary incentives for the physicians to begin to take up remote patient monitoring and telehealth. 
Telemedicine in and of itself, I think, was was somewhat fragmented. Each state was managing it differently. There were different rules of engagement as it related to this, as everybody dabbled with telehealth. And under these circumstances, all the gloves are off. And of course, everybody is very rapidly moving as quickly as they can towards a solution. And I think you'll see a verticalization and a roll-up of telemedicine platforms to include what would be kind of a full stack scenario of being able to do remote patient monitoring, level that up to telehealth, maybe beginning with a chat bot where diagnosis or some symptomatic information might be held. This increased connectivity between the patient and the physician from a virtual perspective is no doubt going to begin to happen. The reason why I think that it's was rapidly adopted is because it was a perfect storm. You have this very highly contagious disease now, and the potentiality of patients flooding into the physical locations of healthcare. And we also have these tools and technologies that are in kind of in place now where you could do this remote communications with your doctors. But honestly, from what I've seen in the CARES Act, really the big things that kind of drove that rapid adoption was two things. The reimbursement, they kind of standardized reimbursement through Medicare and Medicaid on a federal level. And then the other thing was about licensure. In terms of the loosening of the regulations as it relates to telehealth, it was as though all the gloves came off. All of the insurance providers and all of the um, employers and things like that were very concerned with their constituencies being able to get telemedicine. The federal government stepped in and released what would be the telehealth visits and those virtual visits with your doctor. The challenge with those virtual visits is they're still missing. I mean, it's like FaceTiming your doctor. The reality is, is when you go physically to your physician's practice, what do they do? They take your weight, they take your blood pressure, they take your pulse ox, and they take your temperature. Those physiologic readings are kind of the minimum, I think, for any health visit. Those are all the readings that are actually taken care of on the remote patient monitoring level. A telehealth visit without any physiologic readings is, you know, a missed opportunity, particularly in the COVID environment. You know, it's been very important to have, for instance, a a pulse ox as well as a blood pressure reading. That really gives the physician a much better picture and and certainly a temperature too of what's going on with the patient versus just looking at them over a video chat. A more meaningful compilation in the future will be being able to have some of these readings in conjunction with a telehealth visit. And that's where you're going to see kind of the first roll up. Now, as it came to regulation in 2019, you know, the new remote patient monitoring codes came out that ultimately allowed for physician practices and primary care in particular to be more focused on managing chronic conditions through using blood pressure cuffs and scales to regularly read how the patient is ultimately doing in a much more comprehensive type of setting to get some better patient engagement and ultimately better outcomes and coaching. The new codes actually allowed for 20 to 40 minutes of coaching from the physician's practice. Now, it did not have to be the physician either, but just to get the patient to be compliant, whether it's through stepping on their scale, getting that blood pressure reading, also coaching them on medication adherence and things like that has been important. But increasing engagement overall has been a big part of this virtual care movement. 
I think the thing that's important to take note of is that, yes, it has to be prescribed by the physician, and the physician must enroll the patient in a remote patient monitoring program. But ultimately, the people who are managing the remote programs can be nursing staff and coaches and health coaches to help fulfill that 20 to 40 minutes of coaching the patient may need to get better outcomes. Okay, let's let's break that down because you you unpacked a lot of stuff with that with that last statement. We talked about you know taking your temperature, taking all these kind of physiological readings. I, w- I wonder your perspective on this because um, we all know that we've been carrying around a very powerful medical device in our own pockets for many many years, and that's our smartphone. And now there's this Internet of Things where we have Fitbits and we have scales that can connect to the internet. We even have thermometers that can connect to the internet, which I know are being deployed at sort of the front lines to really start to help track the outbreak of the of the virus. There's no doubt that connected devices have been playing a part. I mean, we all love our Apple Watch, but whether or not it can actually get the FDA approval that is required for it to meet the needs of the RPM codes, that remains to be seen. That is one of the things that they're looking at right now. The majority of the devices that are qualified for RPM and the reimbursement for those CPT codes have to be FDA approved. Similar to digital therapeutics, you know, on the digital therapeutics side, there's been a lot of apps and a lot of uh, tools that have been put out there. And a lot of those have an FDA pathway too for approval. They have to do these studies and have to be able to get these outcomes in an effort to do it. Well, we know blood pressure monitoring and people taking their blood pressure on a regular basis and being cognizant of it and just that actual act and repetition keeps it at the forefront of people's mind to take their medication and create the habits that are necessary. It's very easy to do with a blood pressure cuff. It's very easy to step on a scale and have those readings and create those habits that are indicative to better outcomes. Now, the good devices that are transforming very quickly are able to do multiple things. It's the ability of a solution, for instance, like Bodyport, where you can step on the platform for 20 seconds and lo and behold, get your blood pressure, you know, get your weight and, you know, get a pulse ox reading at the same time. Um, So you're going to come into, I think, a situation where you've got more hybrid style tools that are out there for the patients to be able to use that are much more efficient, effective, and easy. Because, you know, let's face the fact that um, for an elderly person, potentially to take their blood pressure properly every day might become difficult, depending on how immobile they are. Stepping on a scale may even be a challenge on a regular basis. It's becoming more and more interesting to see how these devices themselves are evolving for ease of use. But one of the things that I think is the most important is that the patient themselves are given a tool for them to see their own results and and be coached. So a patient experience is important. When you say allowing the patients to actually be able to use these tools more effectively, is that kind of the intent behind this coaching reimbursement initiative in the codes? Was that really the kind of the intention behind that that regulatory change around remote patient monitoring? Because I think that's a big thing here too, coaching patients as being a reimbursable event. 
Definitely. That is a big change. You know, it's the it's the step towards keeping patients healthy and out of the hospital longer term. And, and what CMS knows is that is certainly the goal in reducing total cost of care and bending the curve is can you spend time coaching? Can you give your patients contents and information that can help them improve their health um, and really push towards better outcomes and better behaviors not necessarily, medication adherence is a part of it, not necessarily just just pushing pills. The digital therapeutic side and that ability to coach and create personalized communications with the patient on the basis of their disease state, as well as on the basis of their personality and socioeconomic factors, I think is incredibly important and where a lot of these solutions are going. Something you did mention before, too, is that it doesn't have to just necessarily be the doctor. Now it can be part of the the clinical staff, like the nurse. That potentially can also extend into like a, a call center, perhaps, or like a some sort of digital triage perspective, you know, with, when you talk about coaching. Actually, in 2020, just in January of this year, they approved what was general supervision of these patients. So you saw a move with several call centers, particularly those that may have been doing some chronic care management historically, move into the space. Several of the physician practices may use their own staff internally inside the practice for more cost efficiency and connectivity there. But I think you'll see some of these larger group practices actually outsourcing to a call center for coaching, as well as potentially using additional content and information to help the patient learn about their disease state and increase their healthcare literacy. As you're talking about this, I can't help in my mind think about the fact that this sounds like an incredibly powerful way for in the future state in this kind of post covid world that we're going to that we're pivoting into where health systems physicians the entire landscape of people within that care network can start to use to build these personalized experiences for patients how do you feel that these solutions will impact the overall patient experience efforts There is no doubt that access and availability and loyalty can be built with these platforms. Seeing some different innovative thought processes come out of the health systems from the perspective of readiness in deploying some of these devices to their patient constituencies and giving them the opportunity to have a more meaningful telehealth visit and register for a telehealth visit. When you think about marketing channels, And you think about the ability to have that captive audience or get to the right person at the right time, what could be better than actually understanding somebody's physiologic reading, where they're at their weight loss journey or where they're at with their blood pressure to potentially feed them data and information about services at your health center, you know, support services or specific branded information like on diabetes, for instance, and and how to cook recipes and things like that, that may help somebody with diabetes that may be a member of the Hispanic population, or helping somebody from a blood pressure perspective, potentially learn to meditate and calm themselves too, in some instances, and begin a meditation practice. So there's a lot of different things that the health system can do to create a narrative and a loyalty story by providing the patient with the right content, coaching, and communication to establish that loyalty. And this becomes a marketing channel very strongly for services inside of the system, as well as just branding and 
resource opportunity. Yeah, this kind of fills that promise that, you know, I've heard and myself have talked about for years as a digital marketer about getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Through these tele-services, it sounds like these could be very effective channels, engagement touch points, so to speak, with patients at various stages. And you could do a variety of different things with this. And that's interesting because you couple that with the fact that we're moving into the post-COVID world where I think a lot of patients that potentially are out there are not too eager to go running back to the hospitals or health systems to get that care delivered face-to-face. What some of the hospitals and health systems need to be concerned about is the access issue with telemedicine. People are going out to resources now and seeing who they can see as quickly as they can see them because we're in an emergency type of situation. And depending on what that experience is like, um, unfortunately, some of the hospitals and physicians may be losing some of their patient populations just to the ability to quickly get access and have a telemedicine visit with a competitor or a retail type of solution that may be out there. You know, one of the things that I saw very early on was Solve Health did a great job of activating every single urgent care that was out there where they were scheduling appointments with urgent care and instead flipping that dial to telehealth visits. And you can imagine the patient who is seeing a primary care doc historically can't do a telemedicine visit because their primary care physician isn't doing that, yet they can go online and find an urgent care where you can get a telehealth visit. There's a new opportunity, you know, leakage always, I think, occurs when convenience is opportunistically taken advantage of by a hospital's competitor. It's actually kind of forcing us now to think about various different service lines or different service offerings that could use tele-solutions. I don't even know what to call it anymore, right? Telemedicine RPM solutions. Is this just restricted to primary care encounters or can this stretch into even maybe complex care offerings? Certainly. I think, you know, cardiology for the most part has been used to and doing remote patient monitoring for a long time. In terms of the reuptake there, you know, you had the pacemakers and electrophysiology and all of the devices and connectivity that were happening in cardiology practices. What's disconcerting is with COVID, you've seen a lot of the specialists not be able to continue their visits with their patient populations, rush towards primary care. And there was probably an opportunity for a lot of these specialists who may be better geared to handle remote patient monitoring than even the primary care doctors are. For instance, like with diabetes and diabetes treatment and who you have managing that for you. I think, you know, a lot of the endocrinologists and and the specialists are actually going to be the more prominent service lines where you'd want to establish those types of programs for specific chronic diseases. Just like you want your cardiologist potentially managing your pacemaker as well as your blood pressure and everything else in lieu of your primary care doctor. Now, I do see primary care, though, from a new patient acquisition component, telemedicine and that availability of a telemedicine platform being completely necessary from the standpoint of the true front door to an organization. Can you see a doctor virtually quickly and at least get into the system? I look at telemedicine and telehealth access being that front door opportunity to capture these patients. 
your new digital front door. Telehealth, your new digital front door, exactly. Because I think a lot of people are thinking about these telesolutions as really a bolt-on service line. You know, and I've seen that happen in the past, again, prior to the pandemic. They've launched these systems. I would even say during the pandemic, they've launched these telehealth solutions. And they say, well, now we have this new touchpoint, new way to, to connect with us, but it's not completely integrated. And, and I think that there's some significant challenges behind not integrating it fully into your service line offering. And there is no doubt that there will be a little bit of a mess to try to refigure. Yeah. <laughs> the COVID crisis, no doubt the hospitals are very quickly putting solutions in place in an effort to have a very thoughtful approach. There are going to be considerations for what your call center may look like, what your employed group of physicians may be doing, where telehealth will ultimately sit again as that front door for the hospital. Let's let's be honest, 70% of ED visits are down. If hospitals were doing appropriate triaging through telehealth, they could tell and dispatch and get you know the patients to the hospital that need to get to the hospital perhaps very quickly if, in fact, they could do some quick telehealth screening up front. I also see a, a number of like outside entrants coming into the space that are not within hospitals and health systems. If you look at the future state, do you think it's going to be mostly hospitals and health systems kind of managing this relationship? Or now are we privy to like the CVSs and the Walmarts and other people that maybe get that overall online experience a little bit better? Do you think that it's going to change the playing field, so to speak? Undoubtedly, consumerism and the retailization piece has been something that's always been, you know, picking at the edges of the health system. Large brands that people have a lot of confidence in have an opportunity to step into this remote patient monitoring space, whether or not it's CVS and that's your entry point to a quick clinic visit or being able to talk to somebody to triage you accordingly, because that name is top of mind and it happens to be a brand that's on the local corner where you can go very quickly and feel confident about picking up prescriptions. I think the level of acuity for patients will potentially play into it. You know, CBS is certainly not anywhere you should go if you're in the midst of having a heart attack <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, there's no doubt that a lot of the large consumer brands have a very good opportunity to play into the telehealth and, you know, digital front door space. That includes players like Amazon. Can you just see it, Chris? I mean, think about it, right? Amazon's already been hiring doctors as it stands. You know, as I go on to Amazon Prime and part of my Amazon Prime membership may be able to talk to a doctor quickly for a telehealth visit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and let alone I buy my devices from Amazon and I'm able to get my blood pressure reading or they take my physiologic readings or Amazon even sends me a platform that I can use as an Amazon Prime member to check in with them when I have a telehealth visit. That is something that I think the health systems should be cognizant. These consumer trusted brands exist. We already see Walmart moving into the space very heavily. And let's be honest, Walmart, from the standpoint of the pandemic and COVID, has been phenomenal. Their ability to get groceries out to people's car and shop, you know, they're in the midst of opening several health clinics. And one of the brilliant things that they've done is provide uh, nursing degrees and a path toward nursing degrees to Walmart employees that can staff their clinics. You're going to see these consumer brands, I think, step up in a large way 
especially as the rules and the regulations have been loosened or things like coaching. The fact that they can hire physicians and they can hire health coaches and that you may have a trusted brand that you rely on that you want to do your visits and your shopping and everything else with. Wow. I mean, even from a diabetes program, you're doing remote patient monitoring, you're getting coaches. Who's to say that Amazon and Whole Foods isn't picking out what your groceries and everything like that should be on a weekly basis? That really speaks to, you know, a much bigger thing about the role of these health technology solutions and their impact to the overall public health. And I, I think you're right, Anne, when you're talking about like these big trusted consumer brands, they want to have the mind share of the patients that are out there. So when we talk about in hospitals and health systems becoming more consumer first or patient first, we really are competing with some people that have well entrenched approaches to doing so. And now they're given the ability to extend their experiments, perhaps in this space, into your own home, into the patient's home. That is a a future that, wow, that kind of blows me away a little bit. Well, and that's where I think that you're going to see some strong technology partnerships downstream and the health systems that are moving for partnerships with organizations like Apple, even Verizon or AT&T, you know, when you think about connected devices and privacy and connectivity, those are brands that are very much trusted. Who will be the winners from the perspective of some of the large organizations that are moving into the space? All of them have an eye on this now. From the investment side of things, large organizations like Walmart, like Verizon, like Apple are certainly places where I think health systems may want to look to partner because they have some neutrality with patients and privacy, you know, of course, will become a a concern. There's no doubt that we're moving into a surveillance style of uh, healthcare. Um, That surveillance certainly includes remote patient monitoring and telehealth and that connectivity. I think that is one of the things that consumers will definitely kind of have to come to grips with is, you know, that information and that connectivity and what it could mean and who they want sending them those messages. And if you're a trusted health system with a brand that has a portal for patients to enter and they can see all of their health information, their physiologic readings, they can get recommendations on diet and exercise, have coaching, as well as a map to where in their community that they can get care based on their condition and personalization. I think you'll see some winners out there who can move towards this relatively quickly. It just reinforces the fact that remote patient monitoring, telehealth, These are tools and technologies that are here to stay now, and they're firmly entrenched in the way we want to consume care in the future. So thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate all your insights, Anne. No problem. Thanks, Chris. It's always a pleasure. The reality is, is we're going to see some big opportunities and growth and some big winners out there as it comes to being able to manage patient populations and really capture market share through access and availability to these technologies. The opportunity for health systems to fully integrate telemedicine and remote patient monitoring is imperative in the new normal. And with the shifting mindset of patients who now fully embrace digital as a viable channel to receive their care, married with their reluctance to have unnecessary face-to-face care encounters to avoid the risk of exposure in their clinic or hospital, it seems a perfect environment for telemedicine to flourish. 
But given the aggressive movement of outside retail and technology companies into the space, many of them with an advanced understanding of the needs of the online patient customer, I wonder, is the traditional healthcare industry truly ready to adopt telemedicine in a way the post-COVID-19 consumer expects? Or will these outside disruptors lay claim to the new medical home of the future? You've been listening to The New Normal, conversations about the future of healthcare from Touchpoint Media. If you enjoyed today's program, take a moment to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you downloaded the show. The music from this program is I Dunno by Grapes and is available as a royalty-free download on ccmixter.org. To find out more about Touchpoint Media, visit us online at touchpoint.health.